Section 5 of All of Grace by Charles Spurgeon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Faith. What is it? What is this faith concerning which it is said, By grace are ye saved through faith? There are many descriptions of faith, but almost all the definitions I have met with have made me understand it less than I did before I saw them. The Negro said, when he read the chapter, that he would confound it, and it is very likely that he did so, though he meant to expound it. We may explain faith till nobody understands it. I hope I shall not be guilty of that fault. Faith is the simplest of all things, and perhaps because of its simplicity it is the more difficult to explain. What is faith? It is made up of three things, knowledge, belief, and trust. Knowledge comes first. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? I want to be informed of a fact before I can possibly believe it. Faith cometh by hearing. We must first hear, in order that we may know what is to be believed. They that know thy name shall put their trust in thee. A measure of knowledge is essential to faith, hence the importance of getting knowledge. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. Such was the word of the ancient prophet, and it is the word of the gospel still. Search the scriptures and learn what the Holy Spirit teacheth concerning Christ and his salvation. Seek to know God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. May the Holy Spirit give you the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Know the gospel. Know what the good news is, how it talks of free forgiveness and of change of heart, of adoption into the family of God and of countless other blessings. Know especially Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the Saviour of men, united to us by his human nature, and yet one with God, and thus able to act as mediator between God and man, able to lay his hand upon both, and to be the connecting link between the sinner and the judge of all the earth. Endeavour to know more and more of Christ Jesus. Endeavour especially to know the doctrine of the sacrifice of Christ. For the point upon which saving faith mainly fixes itself is this. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Know that Jesus was made a curse for us, as it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Drink deep of the doctrine of the substitutionary work of Christ, for therein lies the sweetest possible comfort to the guilty sons of men, since the Lord made him to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Faith begins with knowledge. The mind goes on to believe that these things are true. The soul believes that God is, and that he hears the cries of sincere hearts, that the gospel is from God, that justification by faith is the grand truth which God hath revealed in these last days by his Spirit more clearly than before. Then the heart believes that Jesus is verily and in truth our God and Saviour, the Redeemer of men, the Prophet, Priest, and King of his people. All this is accepted as sure truth, not to be called in question. I pray that you may at once come to this. Get firmly to believe that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's dear Son, cleanses us from all sin, that his sacrifice is complete and fully accepted of God on man's behalf, so that he that believeth in Jesus is not condemned. Believe these truths as you believe any other statements, 
for the difference between common faith and saving faith lies mainly in the subjects upon which it is exercised. Believe the witness of God just as you believe the testimony of your own father or friend. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. So far you have made an advance towards faith. Only one more ingredient is needed to complete it, which is trust. Commit yourself to the merciful God. Rest your hope on the gracious gospel. Trust your soul on the dying and living Savior. Wash away your sins in the atoning blood. Accept his perfect righteousness, and all is well. Trust is the lifeblood of faith. There is no saving faith without it. The Puritans were accustomed to explain faith by the word recumbency. It meant leaning upon a thing. Lean with all your weight upon Christ. It would be a better illustration still if I said, Fall at full length and lie on the rock of ages. Cast yourself upon Jesus. Rest in him. Commit yourself to him. That done, you have exercised saving faith. Faith is not a blind thing, for faith begins with knowledge. It is not a speculative thing, for faith believes facts of which it is sure. It is not an unpractical, dreamy thing, for faith trusts and stakes its destiny upon the truth of revelation. That is one way of describing what faith is. Let me try again. Faith is believing that Christ is what he is said to be, and that he will do what he has promised to do, and then to expect this of him. The scriptures speak of Jesus Christ as being God, God as human flesh, as being perfect in his character, as being made of a sin offering on our behalf, as bearing our sins in his own body on the tree. The scripture speaks of him as having finished transgression, made an end of sin, and brought in everlasting righteousness. The sacred record further tells us that he rose again from the dead, that he ever liveth to make intercession for us, that he has gone up into glory, and has taken possession of heaven on the behalf of his people, and that he will shortly come again to judge the world in righteousness and his people with equity. We are most firmly to believe that it is even so, for this is the testimony of God the Father when he said, This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. This also is testified by God the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit has borne witness to Christ, both in the inspired word and by his working in the hearts of men. We are to believe this testimony to be true. Faith also believes that Christ will do what he has promised, that since he has promised to cast out none that come to him, it is certain that he will not cast us out if we come to him. Faith believes that since Jesus said, the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up to everlasting life, it must be true, and if we get this living water from Christ, it will abide in us, and will well up within us in streams of holy life. Whatever Christ has promised to do, he will do, and we must believe this, so as to look for pardon, justification, preservation, and eternal glory from his hands, according as he has promised them to believers in him. Then comes the next necessary step. Jesus is what he is said to be. Jesus will do what he says he will do. Therefore, we must each one trust him, saying, He will be to me what he says he is, and he will do to me what he has promised to do. I leave myself in the hands of him who is appointed to save, that he may save me. I rest upon his promise that he will do even as he has said. This is saving faith, and he that hath it 
hath eternal life. Whatever his dangers and difficulties, whatever his darkness and depression, whatever his infirmities and sins, he that believeth thus on Christ Jesus is not condemned, and shall never come into condemnation. May that explanation be of some service. I trust it may be used by the Spirit of God to direct my reader into immediate peace. Be not afraid, only believe. Trust, and be at rest. My fear is lest the reader should rest content with understanding what is to be done, and yet never do it. Better the poorest real faith actually at work, than the best ideal of it left in the region of speculation. The great matter is to believe on the Lord Jesus at once. Never mind distinctions and definitions. A hungry man eats, though he does not understand the composition of his food, the anatomy of his mouth, or the process of digestion. He lives because he eats. Another far more clever person understands thoroughly the science of nutrition, but if he does not eat, he will die, with all his knowledge. There are, no doubt, many at this hour in hell who understood the doctrine of faith, but did not believe. On the other hand, not one who trusted in the Lord Jesus has ever been cast out, though he may never have been able intelligently to define his faith. O oh, dear reader, receive the Lord Jesus into your soul, and you shall live for ever. He that believeth in him hath everlasting life. How may faith be illustrated? To make the matter of faith clearer still, I will give you a few illustrations. Though the Holy Spirit alone can make my reader see, it is my duty and my joy to furnish all the light I can, and to pray the Divine Lord to open blind eyes. Oh, that my reader would pray the same prayer for himself. The faith which saves has its analogies in the human frame. It is the eye which looks. By the eye we bring into the mind that which is far away. We can bring the sun and the far-off stars into the mind by a glance of the eye. So by trust we bring the Lord Jesus near to us, and though he be far away in heaven, he enters our heart. Only look to Jesus, for the hymn is strictly true. There is life in a look at the crucified one. There is life at this moment for thee. Faith is the hand which grasps. When our hand takes hold of anything for itself, it does precisely what faith does when it appropriates Christ and the blessings of his redemption. Faith says, Jesus is mine. Faith hears the pardoning blood and cries, I accept it to pardon me. Faith calls the legacies of the dying Jesus her own, and they are her own, for faith is Christ's heir. He has given himself and all that he has to faith. Take, O oh friend, that which grace has provided for thee. You will not be a thief, for you have a divine permit. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. He who may have a treasure simply by his grasping it will be foolish indeed if he remains poor. Faith is the mouth which feeds upon Christ. Before food can nourish us, it must be received into us. This is a simple matter, this eating and drinking. We willingly receive into the mouth that which is our food, and then we consent that it should pass down into our inward parts, wherein it is taken up and absorbed into our bodily frame. Paul says, in his epistle to the Romans, in the tenth chapter, The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. Now then, all that is to be done is to swallow it, to suffer it to go down into the soul. Oh, that men had an appetite! 
for he who is hungry and sees meat before him does not need to be taught how to eat. Give me, says one, a knife and a fork and a chance. He was fully prepared to do the rest. Truly, a heart which hungers and thirsts after Christ has but to know that he is freely given, and at once it will receive him. If my reader is in such a case, let him not hesitate to receive Jesus, for he may be sure that he will never be blamed for doing so, for unto as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. He never repulses one, but he authorizes all who come to remain sons for ever. The pursuits of life illustrate faith in many ways. The farmer buries good seed in the earth, and expects it not only to live, but to be multiplied. He has faith in the covenant arrangement that seed-time and harvest shall not cease, and he is rewarded for his faith. The merchant places his money in the care of a banker, and trusts altogether to the honesty and soundness of the bank. He entrusts his capital to another's hands, and feels far more at ease than if he had the solid gold locked up in an iron safe. The sailor trusts himself to the sea. When he swims he takes his foot from the bottom and rests upon the buoyant ocean. He could not swim if he did not wholly cast himself upon the water. The goldsmith puts precious metal into the fire which seems eager to consume it, but he receives it back again from the furnace purified by the heat. You cannot turn anywhere in life without seeing faith in operation between man and man, or between man and natural law. Now, just as we trust in daily life, even so we are to trust in God as he is revealed in Christ Jesus. Faith exists in different persons, in various degrees, according to the amount of their knowledge or growth in grace. Sometimes faith is little more than a simple clinging to Christ, a sense of dependence and willingness to so depend. When you are down at the seaside, you will see limpets sticking to the rock. You walk with a soft tread up to the rock. You strike the mollusk a rapid blow with your walking stick, and off he comes. Try the next limpet in that way. You have given him warning. He heard the blow with which you struck his neighbor, and he clings with all his might. You will never get him off. Not you. Strike and strike again, but you may as soon break the rock. Our little friend, the limpet, does not know much, but he clings. He is not acquainted with the geological formation of the rock, but he clings. He can cling, and he has found something to cling to. This is all his stock of knowledge, and he uses it for his security and salvation. It is the limpet's life to cling to the rock, and it is the sinner's life to cling to Jesus. Thousands of God's people have no more faith than this. They know enough to cling to Jesus with all their heart and soul, and this suffices for present peace and eternal safety. Jesus Christ is to them a Savior strong and mighty, a rock immovable and immutable. They cling to him for dear life, and this clinging saves them. Reader, can you not cling? Do so at once. Faith is seen when one man relies upon another from a knowledge of the superiority of the other. This is a higher faith, the faith which knows the reason for its dependence and acts upon it. I do not think the limpet knows much about the rock, but as faith grows it becomes more and more intelligent. A blind man trusts himself with his guide because he knows that his friend can see, and, trusting, he walks where his guide conducts him. If the poor man is born blind, he does not know what sight is, but he knows that there is such a thing as sight and that it is possessed by his friend, 
and therefore he freely puts his hand into the hand of the seeing one, and follows his leadership. We walk by faith, not by sight. Blessed are they which have not seen, and yet have believed. This is as good an image of faith as well can be. We know that Jesus has about him merit, and power, and blessing, which we do not possess, and therefore we gladly trust ourselves to him to be to us what we cannot be to ourselves. We trust him as the blind man trusts his guide. He never betrays our confidence, but he is made of God unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Every boy that goes to school has to exert faith while learning. His schoolmaster teaches him geography, and instructs him as to the form of the earth, and the existence of certain great cities and empires. The boy does not himself know that these things are true, except that he believes his teacher, and the books put into his hands. That is what you will have to do with Christ, if you are to be saved. You must simply know because he tells you, believe because he assures you it is even so, and trust yourself with him because he promises you that salvation will be the result. Almost all that you and I know has come to us by faith. A scientific discovery has been made, and we are sure of it. On what grounds do we believe it? On the authority of certain well-known men of learning, whose reputations are established. We have never made or seen their experiments, but we believe their witness. You must do the like with regard to Jesus. Because he teaches you certain truths, you are to be his disciple, and believe his words. Because he has performed certain acts, you are to be his client, and trust yourself with him. He is infinitely superior to you, and presents himself to your confidence as your master and lord. If you will receive him and his words, you shall be saved. Another, and a higher form of faith, is faith which grows out of love. Why does a boy trust his father? The reason why the child trusts his father is because he loves him. Blessed and happy are those who have a sweet faith in Jesus, intertwined with deep affection for him, for this is a restful confidence. These lovers of Jesus are charmed with his character, and delighted with his mission. They are carried away by the loving-kindness that he has manifested, and therefore they cannot help trusting him, because they so much admire, revere, and love him. The way of loving trust in the Saviour may thus be illustrated. A lady is the wife of the most eminent physician of the day. She is seized with the dangerous illness and smitten down by its power. Yet she is wonderfully calm and quiet, for her husband has made this disease his special study, and has healed thousands who were similarly afflicted. She is not in the least troubled, for she feels perfectly safe in the hands of one so dear to her, and in whom skill and love are blended in their highest forms. Her faith is reasonable and natural. Her husband, from every point of view, deserves it of her. This is the kind of faith which the happiest of believers exercise toward Christ. There is no physician like him. None can save as he can. We love him, and he loves us, and therefore we put ourselves into his hands, accept whatever he prescribes, and do whatever he bids. We feel that nothing can be wrongly ordered while he is the director of our affairs, for he loves us too well to let us perish or suffer a single needless pang. Faith is the root of obedience, and this may be clearly seen in the affairs of life. When a captain trusts a pilot to steer his vessel into port, he manages the vessel according to his direction. 
when a traveller trusts a guide to conduct him over a difficult pass, he follows the track which his guide points out. When a patient believes in a physician, he carefully follows his prescriptions and directions. Faith which refuses to obey the commands of the Saviour is a mere pretense, and will never save the soul. We trust Jesus to save us. He gives us directions as to the way of salvation. We follow those directions, and are saved. Let not my reader forget this. Trust Jesus, and prove your trust by doing whatever he bids you. A notable form of faith arises out of assured knowledge. This comes of growth in grace, and is the faith which believes Christ because it knows him, and trusts him because it has proved him to be infallibly faithful. An old Christian was in the habit of writing T and P in the margin of her Bible whenever she had tried and proved a promise. How easy it is to trust a tried and proved Savior. You cannot do this as yet, but you will do so. Everything must have a beginning. You will rise to strong faith in due time. This mature faith asks not for signs and tokens, but bravely believes. Look at the faith of the Master Mariner. I have often wondered at it. He loses his cable. He steams away from the land. For days, weeks, or even months, he never sees sail or shore. Yet on he goes day and night without fear, till one morning he finds himself exactly opposite to the desired haven toward which he has been steering. How has he found his way over the trackless deep? He has trusted his compass, his nautical almanac, his glass, and the heavenly bodies and obeying their guidance, without sighting land, he has steered so accurately that he has not to change a point to enter into port. It is a wonderful thing, that sailing or steaming without sight. Spiritually it is a blessed thing to leave altogether the shores of sight and feeling, and to say good-bye to inward feelings, cheering providences, signs, tokens, and so forth. It is glorious to be far out on the ocean of divine love, believing in God, and steering for heaven straight away by the direction of the word of God. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. To them shall be administered an abundant entrance at the last, and a safe voyage on the way. Will not my reader put his trust in God, in Christ Jesus? There I rest with joyous confidence. Brother, come with me, and believe our Father and our Savior. Come at once. End of section 5